This episode of the Pursuit Podcast is presented by Fisher Skis. First frost. First frost here on the East Coast. Starting to see it. Snow is flying on the West Coast. I saw some first turns from Silverton. Man, I'm still on the bike. Not there yet. I don't know. How do you guys feel about it? Are you ready for winter or are we still riding bikes? Hi, Mr. Adamax. This is the Pursuit Podcast. You're listening on the Out of Collective. Please follow everything we do uh, at Out of Collective, at the Pursuit Podcast underscore. I know that's stupid. There's an underscore in there, but that's just part of it. Follow at Mr. Adamax. Leave a review. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you don't like. Uh, we have a hotline now. You can call in on the hotline. Leave a voicemail. If you want to leave a voicemail and you want it to be a hot take and you want me to call you on air, I can do that as well. I'm going to start sharing that phone number as we move forward into some episodes. Um, This is for you guys. So if there's something you want to hear or somebody you want to hear from, tell us. Or if you have a hot take and you want to talk about it, I will gladly play devil's advocate here and I will argue whatever you are saying, and let's just have a fun conversation. So don't be shy. Slide to our DMs, like, share, subscribe, do the whole thing. Uh, Before we get into my episode, I want to give a shout out to my favorite sponsors here. I've got a couple. First off, Drink Simple, drinksimple.com. I mean, it's it's in the name, Drink Simple. It's maple water. It's ultra-hydrating, plant-powered water that comes from trees. It's nature's natural hydration. Let me tell you about this stuff. It tastes good. It's got no added sugars or sweeteners. And every time I take it or drink, I should, I don't take it. I drink it. Every time I drink it, I feel better. I feel energized. I Yeah, I just really like it. It's good. It's great. It's plant-powered nutrients. Half the sugar of coconut water. Go to drinksimple.com. Use code out of bounds. And my second sponsor this week, 686. You guys know all about them. They have a new snowdrop coming on uh, October 11th. So I know you saw the first snowdrop. It's absolute fire. So I cannot wait. Couple days away for that second snowdrop. Go to 686.com. Check out all their collections, men or women. The everyday pant is phenomenal. I've used it to literally lay under the van. I've used it to mow the lawn, and I've used it for everything else. So it's a phenomenal pant. All of their gear is exceptional. Again, 686.com. Now let's get into the episode. My guest this week, Conrad Anker, rock climber, mountaineer, author, master, legend, visionary. Some people call him the climber's climber. This guy's done it all. Uh, He's been around. I don't want to date this man, but we know he's not a young buck anymore. He's been around for a long time. He's been on some amazing climbs. His name is, to me, is like, he's a legend. This is legend status. Conrad Anker had such a great conversation. Um, To get a little, I don't know, real here. We lost Hillary Nelson last week, a close friend of Conrad's. So um, we talk about it a little bit. So just be sensitive to it all and call your friends and tell your friends you love them. Conrad was such a sport, still continuing to do this conversation and have the conversation. Uh, I gave him many exits 
and he wanted to talk about it. So uh, I want to thank Conrad, and I want to tell everyone listening, call your friends, tell tell the people you love that you love them. Uh, and I want to use some words from Conrad. Be good, be kind, and be happy. So again, Conrad, thank you for doing this show. And I'll leave it at that. Conrad, obviously I can Google you. I can look up your Wikipedia and it tells me who you are, what you do. But I want you to kind of give your 30-second minute elevator pitch of who is Conrad Anchor. (laughs) Conrad Anchor is Adam's best friend and guest <laughs> on this awesome podcast. That's where we're at today. But, um, you know, I'm uh, um, based in Bozeman, Montana. I'm 59 years old and will be 59 years old on the, the, the snowbound event. So kind of getting up there in age, but I'm still enjoy being outdoors. Um, the focus and where I am now is taking the knowledge that I've learned and sharing it with other people. Yeah, I mean, you've done a ton of public speaking uh, for Google, Apple, University of Utah. You're speaking at Snowbound. What can people expect when they go see you speak? Hopefully a chance to interact and get inspired and motivated to do something. But um the primary focus of why I get outdoors is the manner in which we communicate with other humans. So rather than being a winner and a loser with the field and rules and a ball and all that, it's like when you and I, Adam, when we go ski or we go do a climb, your safety and well-being is the same as mine. So that level of trust in which we build into it and that meaningful way for humans to spend their time in recreation is that's what makes participatory outdoor adventure so special. Yeah. I think out outdoor sports, mountaineering, skiing, it's, it's funny because when you think of them on the surface, I think of them as an individual sport. And then the more you start touring or even just at a resort, like you, you need to rely on your partners. A hundred percent. And so if um, we have the shared goal of making it to the top of a peak and um, well, we have to do it together and we have to support each other, take turns, breaking trail, helping each other pitch the tent. And that, that, that fundamental manner in which we get to communicate is, is pretty exceptional. And that I always come back to that. And that's what brings me happiness is that these moments that I share with my friends are really exceptional. Yeah. And I think it's such an odd, it can't be, it almost can't be taught. Like I know you do a lot of instructing and you have a ton of people and you run into like these phenomenal athletes, but like egos are out the window. So do you ever deal with egos on mountains or how do you deal with egos on a mountain? (laughs) I don't rope up. (laughs) So, yeah, I've been on the mountains where they're uh, they're full of themselves and always find any opportunity to talk about how great they are. But um, to me, it's it's less of that. I'd rather be on the sideline and, and be humble and whatnot. And I look at some of the the greats in the outdoor space and it's um, 
after a while you get it's a humbling experience it's a very dangerous sport as we know in this week with hillary nelson um that it it makes you live in the present it instills a level of humility and it and it it's we're very grounded so that's i mean we don't score the mountain and do a a touchdown dance we're like we've got to get down and then maybe when you get down you'll have a cup of tea or, with your friends or something like that but it's um it's um it's by and large it's a pretty humble activity to do what makes you and i know you've i don't want to say you've slowed down but you've slowed down a little bit um <laughs> uh, what what brings people back? Because it is so dangerous. And we had an, a, an, a giant catastrophic loss in our outdoor space this week. And, you know, we talked about it a little bit before, but like, you know, Hillary was a leader, a, a mogul, an example for every female, male. It didn't matter, but she was a mother. And like, to me, that was the yeah. first time that I had seen someone of that stature continue to like take these calculated risks yeah and that was 2018 when uh hillary nelson and jim morrison uh, climbed and skied let's say that was a that is um that was a pretty a pretty amazing type of um a pretty amazing journey on that sense but um yeah that uh, she continues on and being a parent myself and continuing on in the sport, but it's um, society has um, a different standard for mothers. They hold to a different place. And it's, um, we think of Alison Hargra Hargraves in the 80s out of the UK um, and now with Hillary that, but um, yeah, it's, it's never easy, but um, may we celebrate the people who are lost and may that be a reminder for us to be present and live in the moment and to uh, tell your friends you love them and support them, um, not to, to be kind and gentle, not to be disagreeable and divisive, that, that these values that are so much a part of the outdoor sports, which to me, it's more than just a sport or doing an exercise or moving blood around my body, but it's, a, it's part of my spiritual well-being is the manner in which I, I get to enjoy nature and I get to be with people and it, it's a rejuvenation coming back from this crazy oversubscribed world that we live in that when you can get outdoors then you're like wow this tree is beautiful or the sound of that creek is something else and when you share that with your friend you're like stop let's look at the sunset and you, you had that it was like a pretty special thing yeah I think you summed it up beautifully especially being in this modernized world in this instagram i mean filming and you've been a ton of been a part of a ton of filming projects so do you ever feel like you just want to get i mean you do have moments where you get rid of it but like your you know your meru that's a big big project that most people know do you ever just want to throw the cameras away and just enjoy it at, at the time, say with Meru and, and the other things, um, I'm a professional athlete. So um, if you play for a, a team, and depending on the shape or size of your ball, 
you're going to have game day. You're going to have TV on. And if I am making a living from climbing, then I have to documenting the story and sharing that experience is integral to it. So I've come to accept that and I enjoy it. And it's nice to be able to share the story. And I'm fortunate to have good friends like Jimmy Chin, Renan Oster, who I was with on uh, Meru and other cinematographer storytellers that can take something that's relatively remote and private and share it with other people. And that I'm the, uh, the opposite of trying to run away from the camera. I'm like, the more people I can share the good news with, the happier I am. So that's why I'm psyched to be with you. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. I want to pause because this team's meeting is going to drop. Um, it says I have yeah, five minutes. I just remaining. Saw that. Where we were it was talking about filming things and I, I assume over your career, it had to have changed drastically just from the equipment to starting an Instagram account to starting a Facebook account to like, I assume, I don't want to date you too hard, but like the majority of building your career was like magazines. Yeah, hundred percent. So it would be going out to Alaska and you'd have a, a camera with 35 millimeter cassette rolls or whatever of, of film and you'd have to get it developed and you were always working with a photographer at any uh, given time and then it, the the media came in magazines and so there was a little bit of a, a vetting process because we always held the editor of the magazines in highest regard and, and you know what they were able to do and all of that so um yeah they're they're uh yeah it's a it's different than it is now where you can have some people bluff their way through a social media account and they're, um, they're in that sense. But it's also to, I think if you're authentic, it will come through regardless of what medium one shares the story with. Yeah. It's interesting. You say there's people who bluff their way through, but it, especially in this space, it comes through like you can only bluff for so long until you're like at the bottom of some big climb or like at some point the internet will find out your bluff and if you're true or you're not. And it's, I think that's just something people have to live with or deal with. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. There's um, yeah, to be, to be, to be clear and everything like that. And I think with, the level of misinformation that flies around our society these days, it's, it's disheartening and it's used in manners that don't necessarily benefit people. And if we can come back to being grounded, being grounded by gravity, whether you're skiing or mountaineering or climbing or canoeing or any of those experiential outdoor sports, you, it's like, you can't, you don't get a, a what do they call it a boogie in 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 golf when you make a oh a bogey you get a bogey or a mulligan you get a a mulligan. you don't get those with gravity you make a mistake and you're either broken ankles or you're that it's much worse so there's um it's kind of neat that whereas sports we create all these rules and we have the balls and all this and we we artificially create competition but the competition that you and I go against is gravity and it, there is no rule. It's, it's constant and we just can't not participate in it. And then on my own personal level, once I get 
three body lengths above the ground, my self-preservation instinct that is part of our DNA over hundreds of thousands of years of evolution to get to where we are, then kicks in. So I'm communicating with the most ancient part of my brain stem, the stuff way back here, that the autonomic functions and the the breathing. I mean, we, we use our prefrontal cortex to figure out flight, flight plans and do really thoughtful stuff. But when you're climbing, it's like, I have to do this. And so you've probably experienced that when you have a, a near miss uh, in a in an automobile or something like that, where you just boom, it comes to you. And there's something that that you tap into that. And to be able to tap into something like that is is a gift. And it makes us better humans. And you don't you don't tap into the primal need to survive on TikTok. It's just it's like fruit loops for your mind. You know you're not going anywhere, but you come back from a near close intense experience in the mountains and you're humbled. You appreciate the simple things in life such as a glass of water and you really deepen your friendship with the people that you went on that journey. Do you think that changed from 18 year old Conrad to you now, or was it always there? Or maybe you didn't know how much it, how much it really meant. Yeah. I started technical climbing at age 14 and, um, I was an athletic hyperactive kid, uh, but team sports just weren't, it was like, <laughs> especially football and in the seventies, I was like, God, <laughs> and so I got into scouting and that was a, a great thing. And that and there's, um, our scout master was a Korean war vet that was worried that all the young boys of this day and age were going to get a little, getting a little, this terminal, you guys don't want you to turn into candy asses. We we'll make you go out and suffer, and so suffering we did. And so maybe I have that. Maybe that's where I learned that art, or <laughs> something like that. But it was, um, yeah, that. And I think that the beautiful thing is, if we play football, and I played football for a little bit when I was a kid. Once you kind of time out, it becomes a spectator sport, and I enjoy watching football. It it scares me, um, but it's sort of like it's like like French fries and potato chips, you know, it's not that good, but you're like, Oh, <laughs> I'm going to keep snacking. Um, and so that, uh, and knowing that I was on that, on that line uh, of what climbing brought to me at a young age was, um, and it's, I've learned more, um, that the maturity and the depth of it has come at a high cost. It's having lost friends and going through the, the, the pain and grief of non-sequential death. So, I mean, we expect your grandparents will pass away before your parents and, and all of that. And so whether it's due to an accident, medical considerations, or something like being in the mountains, it, it, you ask questions of what it is to be human. Yeah, and it's, with the outdoors, it's always so, I think, people don't understand it necessarily not everyone who's like within our world so it doesn't make sense to them like why were they up there they shouldn't have been up there they shouldn't have been doing yeah. that they knew that was dangerous and like i i am not you 
as far as mountaineering. But like, there's been plenty of situations that I've been in and I was like, I shouldn't be here, but I'm here and I have to get out. Like, yeah, I made the wrong choice. I was too deep. I got like, I have to mitigate risk on my way out. But then I look at a perfect example is football. And I mean, let's just say last night's game, Tua took a hit concussion protocol. Like, but it's like, I don't understand that. I cannot relate to that because I don't play football. Like it's not my, so it's like the one time it's like, I'm starting to realize, Oh, fans of football might look at us. Like we look at them. Yeah. And and I was in, in looking at that and seeing the, the concussion that he sustained on Sunday and then playing again four days later. And, and that, um, it's just, it's, um, yeah, they're, it's sort of a modern day gladiator. I mean, we're pitting humans against humans and, and it, it's violent. It's hierarchical. It's misogynist. So I don't want to, <laughs> it's not, no, I, I get, it, I get it, what it's you're not saying. my cup of tea. Yeah, I get it. Trust me. I'm, <laughs> But I think I think the biggest difference between just like we'll say like mountaineering and outdoors, we're so used to failing successfully. And I don't think that's caught up with like our NBA, our NFL, our because like to be a great mountaineer, you fail a lot. Yeah. Uh, and it's yeah. how we define failure or like, you know, failure is not getting to the top or not if getting to your goal. And I think so many great climbers and, and mountaineers, including yourself, I'll put Adrian in this cause I spoke to Adrian about it. You guys are so great and have, you know, been in your space for so long because you are so unbelievably great at failure. <laughs> That's a good way of looking at it. <laughs> yeah. The, um, yeah, it's interesting. If we think back to Shackleton 105 years or so ago now, 20, um, 1917, when he embarked on that, just at the, the beginning of the Great War, um, we hadn't named it World War One yet because we hadn't had World War Two, but it was called the Great War. And he was never given a cord when he came back. Um, they had failed on their mission. They never got there. But and looking back on it to that story of Shackleton and the 17 months they spent at sea and the hardship they endured and the, the leadership of Shackleton, all these things, they're, they're seen in a different way in modern society. And so perhaps there it was either, it was all or nothing in terms of success um, and then overshadowed by the great war where um, we look at it now and it was just, well, they didn't get to traverse the continent they gave it a good try, but in the process of it, they they went through immense hardship and they plumbed the depths of their souls and how they can live. And those sort of, those archetypical stories of human endurance and perseverance, those are the ones that, that we listen to that become folk tales. They become the sort of stuff that you share with a child so that they can learn value in life and there's a place for them. Yeah. And I think, you know, it goes back to team sports of just learning to lose, right? Like it's just, it's something you have to go through as a kid and it doesn't mean you lost. It doesn't, it just, it's, I don't know. It's, I just had a conversation about losing yesterday and it's so, or failing or, and it's, I think in our modern society because of TikTok and Instagram, it's just the world that you want us to always see like 
people yeah. might think they know Conrad, but like they don't know Conrad the dad. You know, they don't know Conrad yeah. the husband, the lover, the the guy who goes to the grocery store. Like it's a totally different just per how we perceive athletes at this point, I think. And when failures happen and we showcase them on, you know, documentaries or just Instagram posts, it's it's crazy how relatable it is because no one wants to talk about it, but it exists and it happens and we fail and we fail often. Yep. And we fail hard. And that's failure can look many ways. You you didn't get the, your promotion. You didn't get, you know, your Strava goal this year. <laughs> like it doesn't have to be these catastrophic failures that we, it's just, you know, and then to bring it all back, I just think Mountaineers are like the greatest failures. And I mean that with the utmost greatest respect I possibly can, because it's something that's really hard to deal with and, and manage. Yeah. And the nice thing about failure in the mountains, and if we think about Tenzing Norgay, who was 29th of May, 1953, stood on the summit of Chumulungma Everest with Ed Hillary. And no one had more experience than Tenzing Norgay on that mountain, having started in the 30s, and he was there the previous year with the Swiss, and he'd gotten to the South Summit. He knew that mountain. And when he came back, he was stronger. And the mountain's going to be a constant. The ice will move and things change, obviously, but it's pretty much a constant. When You can't compare, well, I lost this tennis match today against this person. When you come back, it's that person be to be a different, be in a different way. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Let, I want to talk about Everest cause everyone loves Everest. I hate Everest. I like you guys are, <laughs> I see those and I see the documentaries. I see the clips. I see the Snapchat Everest. No way does that look like something I ever want to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You've done it. Three times, correct? Mm -hmm. One without oxygen. One time free climbing the second step without the ladder, and then the first time discovering the body of George Mallory. So, what is it like going on a recovery mission like that? Um, we knew that was the goal that the expedition had set out to do, um, but it was unexpected on my end, so it wasn't. Um, where George Mallory was resting wasn't where the uh, researchers had figured that he would be because there was um, an English body that was discovered by Chinese climbers in 1976 and that news kind of got out and everyone wanted to find the, find the story and see what, what came of it. Yeah, it's such a... Everest is just so intimidating to me and so mythical in its ways and and i know that's not even arguably it's not even the hardest one to climb right yeah it's um with the infrastructure that's there yeah it's the the people that help you out it's a different it's a different type of thing i mean something like meru is technical climbing and just three of us to move all of our gear up and down the mountain to do the work yeah it doesn't that is not a type of fun that I want to have. I don't think. <laughs> How do you feel about, cause you've done it. You've been in this industry for a long time about commercializing of places like Mount Everest. That's fine. I mean, that type of climbing, which is 
Himalayan fixed rope climbing, call it that, oxygen supported, uh, Sherpa Nepali supported. So now it's it's on Everest K2 now, and it's it's the way it's a safe way to get up the mountain. And but yeah, I'm not going to grouse about it. If you if, if if that's not your style of climbing, go climb it via a different route. Go climb a different mountain. There's plenty of adventure out there, and that someone would want to climb a mountain rather than shooting a a Siberian tiger or a rhinoceros or a mountain lion or a wolf. It doesn't, they're, I mean, you're not shooting any of those three animals for sustenance. You're not, it's not elk or a deer. And it's so, yeah, if you're going to do something for your ego and you climb a mountain, you're not harming as much of the world. So that's my own. I, I like that take. That. I really do. Uh, Dave Watson, I asked him the same question and he was like, none of us belong to be there. And like, you have to put in the effort, no matter if you're a rich doctor, lawyer, you've saved your whole life for this experience or you're on, you know, a North face funded climb, like you have to do yeah. it and none of us belong there. So yeah. it, it is interesting how the opinions are similar, but you know, different. It's just like, we're not doing that much harm by doing that. Sure. There's some things and like there's governments and that's a whole nother conversation that get into the whole thing and companies that do it proper or wrong, but it is such a, I mean, it's, it's the tallest, it's the one that's, it's Everest. It's been, it's, I never thought we could commercialize a mountain like that. And, and it's, yeah, it's being done. It's it's crazy. I want to ask you, you know, I Googled your name, obviously. Rock climber, mountaineer, author, master, legend, visionary, <laughs> climber's climber. Do you ever feel pressure with all those? Those are just like a couple quick ones I just pulled. Do you ever feel the pressure to continue to be conrad anchor or do you think you've solidified yourself in the space and you just want to carry on with life doing what you can do because obviously 26 year old conrad is different than 58 year old conrad yeah and when i was 26 i probably wanted that but now that it's here it's i approach it from a different way so i don't um i to to be authentic um to be a voice of integrity within the outdoor community and yeah it comes with responsibility there is responsibility with that and if you are a public person um there 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 comes a responsibility with that that people are watching you and let that be a prism to to make decisions and that you know as a reminder people look up to you and so there's we're i'm i'm fortunate to 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 have this place in society it's it's a privilege but it also comes with responsibility and that to to young athletes i'm always like hey this is a good thing and they're um and we see it with athletes in different areas that um they're they're yeah kid you're a role model to kids and you were a kid once yourself so think about that yeah. And I think, I think, well, yeah, it's a hard one. It's like a tough question, but it, it's, I always say it's cool to care and like mm-hmm. no one, you know, people will just use Jeremy Jones cause everyone knows Jeremy Jones yeah. and protect our winners. And I know you're part of that whole crew, 
but it's like people are like shut up and just snowboard and it's like no 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 if you have a voice use it and like he's got the one shirt that's like you know conspiracy theorist and it's like you know caring about the planet and like making a better world for our kids and it's like it's cool to care and anyone with a platform such as yourself I think should take a moment to care and use that, oh, yeah. you know, use that opportunity to speak and to do podcasts and just to get your voice out there for maybe someone's listening and it flips a switch in their brain or, you know, I'm not the same kid I was when I was 16. You know, I probably threw garbage out the window and like, you know, like I, who am I? But now you're like, okay, no, pick that shit up. Like, don't be like that. And that's a simple maybe a dumb example but it's like it's cool to care like you don't yeah you know you go camping and you don't leave your cans all over no one should know that you camped yeah. there you know no yeah. one should know so how important is i mean I, i'll use the word activist but like using your platform as your voice to let people know that it's important to care it is and, and i to me, to step up and to speak out about climate, about social justice, a lot of these other things, there's a lot of negative forces out there that use media to, for their own gain and their own moralistic views on world. And, and so as long as, I mean, we can, we know who that is and what the, what they do and how divisive it's been and the challenges that we're, we're facing. And so if there's people out there with that, I've got to come at it with kindness and grace and humility and like yeah we're gonna do this together yeah and on your website it says be good be kind be happy which yeah <laughs> isn't always easy but it's a good yeah. motto to live by and it's very short and sweet and it's like you know when you're maybe not doing the right thing you can think of that motto in your head because it's not always sunshine and rainbows right like there's plenty of yeah. days that i asked this to many big mountaineers, athletes, famous people in our space. You're an open book. Like your Instagram is your life. People can contact you. They can see you at the supermarket. Is there a proper way to do that for someone listening who might have a question or might like, I don't know. I just think, it, I don't know how to ask this question properly. Um, if you run into someone in a supermarket and they clearly know who you are, how does that interaction go? It goes well. So I'm, I can tell when there's a glimmer of recognition and then I'll, um, I'll break the ice. I'll be polite and I'll be like, yeah, this is so great to meet you. And I meet people that they'll come up and introduce themselves. And so I have this one moment to interact with them and share positivity and joy and, take a snapshot with them if they like, and just have a good conversation to be present. And it, um, it takes me focusing on them just as we are in our conversation. There's nothing else that's going on here. And if I don't want to communicate with people in a public space and I can disappear under a baseball hat and a hood and just <clears throat> keep my eyes down. <laughs> but if I'm also like, Hey, just waiting at an airport place. And, um, but I think that, I'm more recognized and I understand. So that I'm like, I'm like, Oh no, <laughs> I don't, in some places they're like, I, no one knows me, but if I go to Chamonix or 
the Kumbu Hamal, I'll meet other climbers and we're like, have a conversation. We, we chat about things. Yeah. In your circles, you are extremely relevant, but you have the invisibility cloak of exiting that circle or that at an NFL game. Maybe yeah. not everyone knows who you are. <laughs> yeah. In an NFL game, no one cares if you climb 512. It's like, just forget it. Doesn't, yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, sponsors. Yeah. Let's talk about sponsors. You were the team captain of North Face for 26 years. Uh, probably not that long, but I started working with North Face in 1983. So, um, yeah, coming up on uh, 39 years. So, um, and then working with the cap, um, kind of developing the athlete team in 1992. Um, and then probably from 2002 to 2018, okay, 16, 16 years, years. Team captain. And then Hillary became the captain in 2018. And so unfortunately she's passed away this week. So, um, but it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. I've worked with North face. Um, I'm from Northern California, Yosemite area. So it was always a, a Bay area brand that was built on the ideals of the sixties and being outdoors and things like that. So I worked with North face, uh, for a bunch of years, uh, smart wool socks and, uh, layering systems are really good. Um, Petzl hard goods and then Yeti coolers. And so four companies, that's it. <laughs> no bubble gum. <laughs> My question is for anyone who's no maybe listening, <laughs> anyone who's maybe listening and like getting into that world, especially when we go back to the TikTok, Instagram influencer era, how important is it and has it been for you? to choose brands that you work with. Cause I think everyone wants to just sign with anybody because they're going to give them a dollar. But as someone who's had a 30 plus year career, how important is it to align with the brands you work with? And maybe this seems like a really obvious question, but I think in our world with the younger generation, you know, you get DMS every day. Hey, let's work together. So like how important is it for a long term relationship long term and just you know being honest with brands and brands being honest with you yes good question if you have the same value then you'll be able to you'll align on that and then there's some um, and it's always any business connection is you get something in return for what you do so there's a um a give and take with that uh that that is there and so if you're um but yeah, they're, I'm not going to endorse someone's, you know, I have no idea what it is. And so they're <laughs> asking me for these various things, but I'd just rather keep it, keep it really focused and be able to, to work with those, those individuals, individual companies. That is. <laughs> Who does Conrad look up to? Like you, oh, I think oh, you yeah. have so many people that look up to you now, but 20 year old Conrad, who was paving the way for you? Um, in a climbing sense, the, the, the explorers that came before us, um, that, that, that are in there, but, um, and they're the Ed Hillary, the Messner, the John Ross Kelly, the Jeff Lowe, um, the, the, the people that have been in the sport a long time. And that is, from within my own circle, but in a bigger picture, I look at people like, 
Jane Goodall, who's been an activist for primates and the preservation of the uh, East and Central African ecosystem through understanding of, of primates. I look at His Holiness Dalai Lama, which, you know, superseding political boundaries and, and being non-aggressive, like we need leaders like this that, that, that I can look up to and, 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 and be with that. And then there's, um, there's uh, everyday people that I see within my daily interactions. So they're uh, finding those people and that they don't, they don't necessarily have to be someone of, of note or import, but they're a person of integrity, vision and drive and motivation, those things that, that are relevant to me and I try to learn from them. I love that answer. Oh man, I hate interrupting your episodes, but you know, sometimes I got to do it because we got to pay the bills. Let's talk about Sierra Nevada. This is your beer break. Hit pause, unless you're driving, keep cruising, go to your fridge, grab yourself a Sierra Nevada. They have it all from hard kombucha to beer to the hops water. I'm absolutely loving the hops water. And everyone I've told to go get the hops water or I've handed a hops water to, they're like, wow, this stuff tastes so good. Go to SierraNevada.com. Check out what the website has to offer. They have stories. They have their shop. Obviously, they have everything about their beer, events happening. These guys are more than just a beer company. They're they're us. They're they're throwing events, they're throwing parties, they're skiers, they're snowboarders, they're surfers. Check them out, SierraNevada.com. Imposter syndrome. Have you ever had it? Do you still deal with it? Oh, yeah. So, and it's, the, the tricky thing is that humans are complex. And one of the, the more difficult emotions that we work through is jealousy. And so when someone is jealous of what you've achieved and they don't feel like you've, you've earned your position to be there, they'll, they'll, they'll shoot, they'll, they'll throw darts at you. And then those feed on this, like, oh, I, I shouldn't be here. I should be doing something else. And I've never made it out that I'm the best climber or the best high altitude climber, or the best ice climber. I, I practice a, a variety of disciplines, but it's, it, um, I am who I am. And so I've been able to, to let that go, um, over time. And there's the, yeah, but for athletes that are coming into the um, into the sport, that they're um, try to tune those voices out and listen to the people that support you and and that give you positive feedback and and you're doing it for yourself and your own mental well being is why we go out and what we recreate for why we seek that rejuvenation and so they're and if if you're a hater out there in the in the interwebs. Come on, think about it. <laughs> when you hold anger and when you hold resentment, when you hold grudges, you're hurting yourself more than getting evil, getting even with someone. So retribution doesn't doesn't pay off. So um, yeah, um, and always treat everyone with the same joy that you would share with someone that's been a friend of your, 
of yours for a long time. Or like, think about our dogs and every morning they wake up and they're like, oh, they don't know my name, but here's the guy that puts his sneakers on and takes me for walks. Here's the guy that feeds me and I'm totally happy to see you. And it's like, we love dog energy and there's obviously exceptions to that. Not all dogs are love sponges and tail waggers, but um, yeah, that, that exuberance for like, wow, today is a good day. Every day for a dog is like, they're just so stoked to be like the kid at Christmas. They're like, Oh yeah, <laughs> I could go upstairs and bring, bring our dog in. We have two dogs and they're just, they're, they're an integral part of our life. And I know how we got down the, the rat warren of dogs, but I mean, it is a difficult week. And so now when things are, are difficult, I have this opportunity to, to be with the pets and to be, Oh yeah. They're, they're there. They're, the, they're there for us and they, and they smile and we get to care for them. And when you help others out, when you care for something, it's more valuable to the human spirit than receiving. And that, in a sense, for the truly marginalized people in our society, people, the homeless and things like that, they're, they're never given an opportunity to care and to give. And that we just like, well, we're going to put you in the shelter. We're going to feed you soup and scrambled eggs and, and try to get you back on your feet. But if we can be like, hey, let's let's work on this together. Let's plant a garden. Let's um, put in time at the, the shelter for animals. And, and even small ways when they can give back, I think is for someone that's on the street and destitute and they're begging and finding a way for them to give to give is 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 something I'd like to see. I just don't know how to do it. So if any of the listeners out there want to team up on this and make change in this world, let's do it together. I think you're doing it. I think you're doing it by, <laughs> by telling those stories. And like, I just see the podcast title now. It's going to be like, be a dog with Conrad Anchor. Like, <laughs> but it's just, the, oh. it's just the unconditional love. It's just, it's yeah. pure and it's, they don't know anything else and that they're just always there for, and like, it's simple and we are, you know, we all have emotions and we can be rude or mean or greedy or, and it's like, you know, maybe it's just that little trigger of like, be a dog, like just be grateful and do everything you can. And it's amazing that dogs can see someone who's suffering and they're just, they'll be there and they'll just lay next to you. Like they, it's, I didn't know that we'd get on a dog tangent either, but it's, it is true. And it's, it's very simple of just like, why don't we sympathize with all humans? Yeah. And dogs, they have a self-preservation instinct that's just the same as, as you and I. So if someone beats a dog, they're going to retaliate. They're going to protect themselves. They might bite. They might do something like that. And so um, the dog, and it's as it becomes from puppy to doghood, is then... You know, that they reflect the the upbringing and, and the people that are around them in that uh, in that sense. So they're, um, but yeah, they're pets, dogs, cats, horses. We love having animals as a pet. is um, It's a reminder that we're not the only species on this planet, even though they're domesticated. But they they get to um, they make us feel human, and they they give us a chance to. To, to see that so it's um 
And the nice thing is, is that at the end of the day, if you have a dog, you can't escape the responsibility. I mean, they're very quotidian. You have to pick up after them, but you also have to feed them. You have to care for them, you take them to the vet, and they won't be able to live without you. And if you put them out in the street or in the forest, they're they're not going to have a good good go of it. So that the fact that you have to care for someone else is coming back to that being able to give back to other people and how meaningful that is. Man, that that was deeper than I thought we would get with dogs. But I think it's <laughs> I think it's it's genuine and it's on its simplest form. And I think it's very relatable um, for what you just said when you just make it about dogs and we're just like, yeah, that should be very simple. And it's not always, but it's, <laughs> it's a beautiful thing. Um, Conrad, I don't want to take too much more of your time. I want to just say thank you. I know it was an extremely hard week for you, your friends and your family. So thank you for taking the time. Um, anyone who's on the East coast, you will be at snowbound I believe you're speaking on Sunday. There's a Q&A. Let's just talk about Snowbound for a couple minutes here, and then I will set you free, my friend. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, third week in November, and um, I think it's the uh, 18th, 19th, and 20th or something like that is the event. And so um, I'll be there on uh, the 20th, Sunday morning. Um, I'll be attending the show the days uh, prior to that, but uh, I have a Q&A at that time, and it's a consumer facing event, so it's not trade, but come there and learn about the different things. Um, word is Ortobox has a beacon rescue station set up. There'll be other vendors and manufacturers there. I'll be there. It'll be a chance to meet. And um, yeah, it's a good for our community. A get together like this is super meaningful because we'll come away with new ideas and hopefully you'll meet a friend, make a new friend and you'll plan a journey. And if journeys are planned from meetings like that, then we're doing good things for humanity. Yeah. And being an East coast kid growing up in Buffalo, New York, for me, we don't get a lot of these opportunities on the East coast to maybe meet a Conrad and meet or, and see a, you know, Avi bag demonstration or an inside skiing slope. I think they have there, Yeah, but I think it's really exciting. And I think it's important for everyone on the East coast to show up for something like this because we've had, we have, yeah. you know, your outdoor retailer or what used to be an SIA, but those are all West coast things. So I, I am excited, um, selfishly just cause it's an East coast event and I don't have to fly across the country to go to it. Um, and I'm excited to visit Boston, love <laughs> Boston and I'll go to the aquarium there and the, the town and just the, the, um, the fierce loyalty to who Bostonians are is I admire that. <laughs> I think it's the East coast, so, man. It goes back to yeah. that, that ski, the East, just like we yeah. know it's worse, but we think it's better. It's like my ski, the East slogan. <laughs> like, but here's the thing is that when the skier from the East comes out West, they're like, Oh, you can set an edge and your ski just carves. You have to know how to ski on the East. I mean, the few times I've skied there, it's been, it's been good. And then making the pilgrimage up to uh, Mount Washington and Tuckerman's ravine in, in, in the spring and seeing people, all the fun that they're having there and just the, the dedication to skiing and they're, um, yeah, skiing is, there's something about sliding down the mountain and imagine you're, 
your your body is like a gyroscope. So that motion of going through and working with gravity and that for some people it brings a big smile. And I, I know you and I are one of them and everyone that comes to Snowbound is going to have that same the same drive and passion to life. Yeah, I'm excited for it. And I'm excited for, again, it just being on the East Coast. And we don't really have those big events to gather a bunch of like-minded individuals on this this dumb thing we call skiing, this sliding down snow. (laughs) And just to touch on Tux, that's like our Everest, right? So my favorite thing about Tux, if no one's ever been there, is like this skill set that shows up at Tux are like, world-class mountaineers like yourself to like the first time I did it, I was in like full tilt boots, pivot bindings, like no, like just skis on my back, walked up in like yeah. skate <laughs> shoes. Cause I forgot my, like, it's such a crazy, weird mountain. I don't know, bowl there that just like spring invites everyone good or bad, but like yeah. the skill levels, the gear you see, it's a feat. It's like it's East Coast and it's in its wholesome form of just like this yeah. guy's got next year skis on and this guy's got a pair of Spalding skis on. And like somehow <laughs> we are skiing the same thing together. And you've got that awesome James Bond trail that you have to like ski through to get to the lodge. It's kind of at the base and then you head up into it above tree line. But the, the below tree line skiing, I, I was I was like, wow, this is pretty cool. Yeah, the sure. <laughs> That's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, I think that's the scariest part of the whole place is like you ski the whole, you know, you ski the bowl and then you got to ski the sherb out and the sherb out is like the sherb. Yeah. That's what I'm calling. Yeah. I didn't know it had a name, but I was like the sherburn trail. Um, (laughs) yeah. You don't want to wrap yourself around a tree. That is like, that keeps you on your toes. It's the best. And you got a full (laughs) pat, you know, whatever we can talk about tucks forever. Conrad, thank you so much. Um, you've already talked about your sponsors, but if you want to thank anybody, thank any sponsors, and where can people follow you? Uh, thanks, Adam, for the uh, the conversation. So, yeah, um, look me up, conradanker.com, um, social media, and same name, A-N-K-E-R. But, um, yeah, I am thankful for everyone that came before me and paved the way to get to where I am. So, Knowledge is uh, cumulative. It's it's we pass it from gen- generation to generation, and those that share the knowledge are the ones that that make the world a better place. So there were people that shared their knowledge with me when I was young, and it's now my turn and my responsibility to share knowledge, motivation, expertise, and stoke with everyone else. So let's make it happen, and we'll see you in Boston on November twentieth at Snowbound. Yeah, <laughs> thank you so much. So,